We're going to read the first 12 verses. I know it's usually read at this sort of time of year. Um, without giving anybody any sort of false hopes or delusions, I want you to know that I believe Jesus was more conceived at this time of year rather than born. And it would have been September and October when his real birth was. But since the, the Christian world uh, remembers his birth at this time, we're going to look at it. But something else we're going to look at is this wasn't actually at Jesus' birth either. This was, he was probably 18 months old to two years old at this time as well. So we always hear about three wise men. And you know what? We don't even know if there was three of them either. <laughs> we heard there are three kings. There's no word tells us there are three kings from Orient are either. But we're going to look at this this evening. So it'll be a little bit different than maybe you've usually heard before. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thy Bethlehem and the land of Judah are the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, They presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Keep your Bible open there for we will be referring to this chapter. Let's just pray again. Father, thank you Lord for such a a cold and even an icy night tonight that you've brought people out, so many out, to hear your word and to worship your son. And I pray, Father, that you would help me now to rightly divide the word of truth, to break the bread of life unto your people this evening. May they see none but Christ, for he alone is worthy. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So just for title's sake, We had entitled it this evening, Following the Star of Bethlehem to Find the Star of Jacob. 
following the star of Bethlehem to find the star of Jacob. One time I read a bumper sticker on a car and it said words something like this. The wise men sought Jesus and wise men still do. And wise men still do. The question is, were the wise men in our narrative, in our reading here, were the wise men wise before they found Christ? Were they wise because they followed the search for Christ? Or were they wise in their own land? I believe that these wise men were Hebrews. I don't believe they were some sort of uh, other nationality, for they had a knowledge of something. I believe there were Israelites who maybe had been in other countries of the East. And notice this, were they wise or um, what makes them to be called wise men in our narrative? For example, uh, the wise men in verse 1, verse 7, and twice in verse 16 of our reading or our chapter, it tells us that the wise men came to seek Jesus. Notice as well, the word wise for wise men here is the word magos. And it's where we get the word magi from. It's where we get our word magic from. And it's used, this word is used in a a negative sense and a plus sense. It is used in a bad sense and it's used in a good sense. Turn with me just for a few moments to Acts chapter 13, keeping your self-marking Matthew chapter 2. Acts chapter 13, just to show you this word, which would be magos for magi. And it's in the negative sense here as we read it. Let your eye run down just to verse 4. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Cilicia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the Isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, or son of Jesus. The word sorcerer there is magos for magi. He was one of their magic men, as it were, He was one of their sorcerers. And so then, let's just read on a little bit more. Verse 7, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, there it is again, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So here you can see this Magi in Acts chapter 13. This Magos, this was not a wise man. So the word wise is because they had something that God used to turn them to Christ. To Christ. Notice when we go back again then to our reading, please. The wise men, as I said in Matthew chapter 2, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. What it's really telling us is there are these men, and the actual idea is they were astrologers or astronomers. 
And when they were looking at the stars, God was able to use that dwelling because a star had appeared in the sky. We're going to look at the star God willing in a few moments. But you see, these men would have understood if they were Hebrews, Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. If you want to turn to it, you can. I'm going to start reading it. Genesis chapter 15. Abraham was a Hebrew. He wasn't an Israelite and he wasn't a Jew because there were none in his day. He was an Hebrew. And Abraham was, as it were, a stargazer. They looked at the stars and told of the stars. God called him out from the hour of the Chaldees. He called him out of this. But God used his promise to show Abraham the stars. Genesis 15 verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, this is the Lord said, Look now toward heaven and tell or count the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Verse 6, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So the Lord says, Abraham, look at the stars. As many as you can count, way beyond what you know and can count, I'm going to make your seed as numerous as those stars. So God used it for his own glory, his own purpose. And then it says, Abraham, notice, believe God in the face of everything that looked like impossibility. He says, Lord, you've said it. That settles it. I'll believe it. And so he believed the Lord and the Lord counted that for righteousness to Abraham. That's why the apostle Paul uses these things in Romans chapter 4. And he says, he gives the idea that it's not by works our righteousness come, but by faith. And so he uses this example and he says, Our father Abraham believed God and it counted to him or it was added to him. It was imputed to him. Righteousness. And so when you and I believe by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not of our works, not of our doings, our alms and our giving, it is imputed. Righteousness is imputed upon us, added to us, given to us through faith in Christ alone. So these men... They are looking at the stars. Abraham used to look at the stars and the Lord used it. Let me look at another one, for example, in Genesis 37. Joseph is in Egypt. And Joseph being in, or pardon me, he's going to go into Egypt. He's not in Egypt at this point. And in Genesis 37, he's had a dream, another dream, a second dream. But he comes and he tells his father it. And notice what it says in Genesis 37 and verse 9. Behold, I have dreamed that be more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. Verse 10. This is his father Jacob in reply. Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee in the earth? How did Jacob know the interpretation of the dream? He just says, I, I, seen a, I seen a dream, Father. The sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed down to my star. Jacob knew right away because Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. And because he was the grandson of Abraham, he understood where God had called him from, what God had promised him and where God was bringing him to. But here he says, are you saying that we're all going to bow down to you? 
me, your mother. There's 11 stars because of the 12 stars of the 12 sons. He's the 12th. Joseph is the 12th. So you can see that God used this in a dream about looking at the stars. And God spoke to Joseph. In Job chapter 9, Job chapter 9, if you want to turn to it, you, you can turn to that too. We'll read a few verses of it. Job chapter 9, verse 7. Notice what Job says here. Speaking of the Lord, which commandeth the sun, and that riseth not, and sealeth up the stars. Now that's important. And sealeth up the stars. That's important for our Matthew chapter 2 narrative and where we're going. He sealeth up the stars. The word sealeth up the stars here is the word katham. Katham, and it means to seal, to affix, to fasten. I want you to get this. It means to seal, to affix, to fasten. Katham is the Hebrew word there. For example, go with me again to Job chapter 33. Job 33 is more like a Bible study for you tonight than a preach, isn't it? Job 33 and verse 14. It's good to hear the leaves of the, the Bible turning over. Job 33 verse 14. Notice, for God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. Verse 15. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men, in slumberings upon the bed. Verse 16. Then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction. Notice, first of all, Job says he seals the stars, affixes, fastens the stars. Now he's saying when God speaks, it can be in a dream. In certain ways God may speak. And he says here that he sealeth their instruction. The word sealeth is the exact same word, katham, which means to seal to affix or to fasten, to fasten. He opens the ear, Job says. Notice this. He opens the ear. He unstops, as it were, the deafness of man's ear. So then in Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 5, we go to see a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ prophesied 750 years before he was born at Bethlehem. Notice Isaiah 50 and verse 5. The Lord God hath opened mine ear. Isaiah 50 and 5. The Lord God hath opened mine ear. Job had said, he openeth the ears of men. Isaiah says, the Lord God hath opened mine ear. You might say, where are you going with this? Just to give me time. Be patient with me. God opens the ear. Notice what he says. And I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. Verse 6. I gave my back to the smiters, my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. The Lord Jesus Christ was spat upon. He was beaten. Here the Lord Jesus Christ turned not away back, but rather he came to do his father's will. And here the back of the Lord Jesus Christ, he gave his back to the smiters. They whipped him at the whipping post. 
They took him with the Roman flagellum and they lacerated his very back with the cat, as it were, of nine tails full of lead and bone as they whipped the flesh right open of our Lord Jesus Christ. Prophesied of it happening 750 years before it came to pass. Notice, the Lord God hath opened mine ear and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. His beautiful face was marred more than any man's. They beat him. They buffeted him. They smote him with the palms of their hand, with clenched fist and with rod. And our Lord Jesus Christ did not turn away from it. Notice he opens the ear. You know what it means? He makes a man alive unto the word. He makes a woman alive. It brings conviction, instruction. Discipleship comes and he sealeth the instruction as Job chapter 33 and verse 6 says. He openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction. And sealeth their instruction. In other words, he makes the soul of a man. He takes the soul of a woman. He opens their ears to perceive the gospel. To be able to hear dead men, dead women, dead women unable to hear the gospel, to receive the word of the Lord. He opens the ear by the quickening of the Holy Spirit. And then he seals the heart. He seals the spirit of man and woman like a stamp, like a seal going into clay or into wax. And it hardens in the shape of the stamp that's put upon it. The idea is he takes the word of God and he seals it into the hearts of men and women. Notice he seals it. He sealeth their instruction. They are set They are sealed. They are sure. They are secure. They are his. When you've been born again, heaven came down and glory filled your soul. When you came down, he sealed you with the Holy Ghost of promise. He sealed the word in the heart. It's the idea. He opens your ears. You beheld the Lamb of God. And he sealed your heart. And listen, believer, he seals it that you will obey him. The man and the woman who has had their ears opened and the word of God set in it as a seal on the wax, they can never be the same again. They can never be the same again. If you have said that you haven't, you have went, and you don't love the Lord, or if you can say that you haven't had a, a real revelation of Christ, or if you've said, you know what, I'll try this Jesus thing, friend, you haven't been saved. Because when a man and woman come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, he hath opened their ears and he set a seal upon them. Amen. The word of God is in their heart. Hallelujah. It's like hot wax being stamped with the seal. Notice, they can never be the same again. 
They can never, as Isaiah 50 and 5 says, turn away back. But rather they give their back to the smiter. For the glory of God they do it because he sealeth their instruction. Notice, that doesn't mean to say you come backslide. It doesn't mean to say there's not men and women in the world and their Christs. The backslider in the world will never be truly happy nor content if they have really known Christ. Never be content. You know why? There's a seal on their heart. It's sealed in their heart. The stubborn child of God. Maybe that's you tonight. The stubborn child of God will never be at peace when they're not serving the Lord in the way and in the place where he has set them. And their rebellious heart will always say, there's been a seal set like hardened wax. You know better. And also, the serving saint will be rejoicing and praising and loving the Lord in their obedience because he sealeth their instruction. There's nothing like knowing that you and Jesus are okay one with another. There's nothing like knowing the peace of God, the peace in the heart and the mind, because he has sealed you and he's sealed your heart. Notice Isaiah 8 and 16. He says, bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. There's the word again. He says, affix my law among my disciples. Notice he didn't say among anyone else. He didn't say among those (laughs) wishy-washies. He didn't say that. Because the ones who have the law of the Lord imprinted on and sealed on their heart by the person and power of the Holy Ghost, uh, you'll find that they will go on to follow the Lord. Then there are genuine people who have went into the world and they're still his. But the seal will remain and they'll never be the same nor happy until they return home. You pray about that. Say, Lord, make them miserable. Make them miserable. Every time they put a drink to their mouth, make them vomit. Every time they go and step into a club, let them fall on their knees. Trouble their mind and trouble their heart. Don't let them sleep. Don't let them have any peace. Trouble them until they realize they're sealed by God. And it's like I said to one person a while back. One time it says, and I said it to them too, what doest thou hear, Elijah? When Elijah was in the cave, the Lord found him in the cave. And the Lord came to him and says, what doest thou hear, Elijah? What doest thou hear? You are a child of God and you'll never be happy in your sin. And the world will hold no pleasure for you. And come back to the fold. Come back to the Father. For there he waits for you. Bind up the testimony. Seal the law among my disciples. Notice, seal it in their hearts. Thou shalt not. Sounds very hard. But when you love the Lord, his law is a delight. 
His law is a delight. In verse 20 of Isaiah 8, it says, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. See, if you go to hear a preacher and he doesn't open that, the Bible. If you go to hear a preacher and they're telling you fanciful furry tales and stories and they don't speak out of this according to this, uh, if, they're, uh, if they're reading some other spurious uh, uh, translation of God's word, something that doesn't even res- resemble God's word, some of it, you understand once they move away from that, they'll move away to everything else. If you go there, then get out fast. Get out fast. Notice Job 9 then, please, in verse 7. What on earth is this to do with the star of Bethlehem? (laughs) I'm bringing you somewhere, don't worry. I told you, you know, whenever we have times, I guess I told you this morning, you all know me by now, when I say we're going to talk about the star of Bethlehem. Oh, it's a lovely wee Christmas story. No, it isn't. Don't do lovely wee Christmas stories or nice lovely wee Easter stories. You know, wee bunny rabbits and all that sort of stuff. We don't do that. Job chapter 9, verse 7. Which commandeth the sun, and it riseth not. Notice, and sealeth. The reason I wanted to strengthen that word shows you the sealing. Sealing the word in the heart. The sealing of the stars is as secure as the sealing of the word in the believer's heart. It's the same word. The sealing of the word in the believer's heart and the sealing of the stars in the sky, well, they're just as secure. They're unmovable. They're affixed and they are fastened. It's like the seal into the wax. Notice this, verse 8, which alone spreadeth out the heavens and treadeth upon the waves of the sea. I heard a preacher one time, quite a few years ago now, and he was on one of the Christian channels, and he said, you know something? There's nowhere in the scripture that says that Jesus would walk upon the waves of the sea, except here he probably walked in shallow ground. Says shallow waters, pardon me. Oh? Well, it says here that God treadeth upon the waves of the sea. Job said that. Jesus is the Almighty, clothed in flesh. And here the Creator comes to walk upon His creation, and it bows at Him. He speaks and He calms the storm, and the sea becomes like glass. Notice here, it says here that He which alone spreadeth the heavens and treadeth upon the waves of the sea. Now, whenever we are looking at this, remember in verse 9 then, if you look at Job 9, which maketh Arcturus, Iran, and Pleiades in the chambers of the south. So here he's telling us God fixed them. God fixed them where they are. But here in Matthew 2, the star moves. The star moves. Three things I want to look at. First of all, the wise men and their pilgrimage. Their pilgrimage. Then secondly, we're going to look at the wise men and their presence. And then thirdly, 
If I can find it, we're going to look at the wise men. Pardon me. Secondly, their purpose. And thirdly, their presence. So when we look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, the wise men came from the east. Looking at the stars. God shows them. He awakens them to something. Here's their pilgrimage. Verse 2. Where is he that is born the king of the Jews or king of Judea or Judah? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now you underline that. His star. That matters. His star. Look at verse 9 please. And lo, the star they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Here's three things for you to remember. First of all, they saw the star. The star awakened them onto something new. The star Awaken them unto something new. They're looking at the stars. Lo and behold, look at this one. I know people are trying to say, there's a lineup of the stars in that day, and there's a lineup in the stars, and they all came together. Maybe possible. I still don't believe that's what it was. Notice this. The star awakened them. Secondly, they followed the star. The star drew them. First of all, the star awakens them. Then the star drew them. They followed where the star led. Thirdly, they rejoiced at the star. The star stopped them. Not rejoicing, but stopped them where Jesus lay. The house where he was. So stay with me. The star awakened them. The star drew them. The star stopped them where he was. Now, He seals the stars, we're told. They are fixed in their place. How then also, not only can this certain star lead them and move, but how, in other words, can this star appear then disappear? They saw it. They followed it. They went to Herod and it disappeared. It comes out and it says, and when they saw the star again, the star had appeared and they followed on. What sort of star is that that appears and disappears? What sort of star is that that moves? That moves along? The idea here is it says that it came in verse 9, Lo, the star they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. What sort of a star can stand over a house? Where the young child was. Notice no more it's a baby, it's a young child. What sort of a star appears, disappears, moves and stops right over a house? In fact, in the original text, you know what it gives the idea of? The star came and stood right at his head. So precise was it. This is him. Amen. This is him. These astrologers would know the difference, surely. Why did Herod, his chief priests, and his scribes, why did they not see this star? Because it had disappeared. They could have took him out and said, look, there's it there. We're following that. It had disappeared. 
When they came out, they saw the star again. And they start to follow the star. Why did no one else in Jerusalem recognize this? Why did no one in the area not see this phenomenon that was in the sky? They had a Bible study with Herod. And Charles Haddon Spurgeon says, Herod heard a good Bible study about the birth place of the Messiah, but it did him no good. So here's what I'm saying. You can hear all the news from the scriptures. You can hear all the things and the stories out of the Bible. You can hear about the cross work of Christ. You can hear it all, but without the Holy Ghost, that'll do you no good. He has to awaken you. In the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, in John chapter 6 and verse 44, listen to what he says. No man can come unto me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You know what he says? He says, you can't come to me unless the Holy Ghost awakens you or quickens you, draws you, and shows me you, or you to me. You getting where I'm going with this star now? This star was not a star. This star was a theophany. This star was an appearance of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost quickens the man. The Holy Ghost makes alive the woman. The Holy Ghost awakens them and draws them to Christ the whole way. And he stops you right at the Savior. Right at him. Notice, so it's not a little shining star. Some of the stars are bigger than our sun. It would just evaporate our planet, let alone come and rest over a house. Jesus says no one can come to him unless the Father draws you. Dead in our trespasses and in our sins, unable to save ourselves and here the Holy Spirit draws you. The Father draws you through the Spirit. And he brings you and stops you right at the cross. See, when Jesus became flesh, when Jesus became man, God came to man. Jesus was bringing now man to God. How does he do that? On the cross. At the cradle, God becomes man. And at the cross, it's for God to bring man to him. So the idea of this is you cannot come to God unless the Spirit speaks. They're gazing at the stars. Arcturus and Pleiades and Orion and Iran's belt and they can look at it all and they're going, oh, look at all of this and they're jotting their charts down or whatever they were doing and one day, awaken, look at this star. It says here in the Hebrew Scriptures, they start to follow the star up to two years after the birth. He was a young child at the time. Notice this. It's when we look at the, the stars in glory, we think of 
how the Lord Jesus, John tells us in John 3 and verse 3, he says, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Showing us the eternal deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 14 of John 1 he says, And the word was made flesh. Bethlehem. Dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Listen to Psalm 8 and verse 3. The psalmist says, When I consider thy heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou thinkest upon him? Do you know what he's saying? I look at this vast thing that you've, the stars you have set in place. You sealeth up the stars, Lord. And yet you're so great and so almighty. Yet what is man? Who am I that you would think about me? And here he comes as Spurgeon says that it's a great mystery how God or the eternal God can contract himself into a span. And here he is as a baby, now a young child. The star appeared and these men were able to follow. It awakened them. It drew them. Caused their interest. That's what the Spirit does. Causes the interest in the things of Christ. Causes the interest in the cross work. Causes the interest that you're a, you're a sinner and he's the only saviour. Causes the interest uh, that you would have in the Lamb of God and what you're hearing through the gospel and the scriptures. He calls, he causes the interest and he stops no further, goes no further past than the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here he stops right outside this house. He came and stood over the place or over the door. Now, here's the thing about, these, about the scriptures and the stars. For example, in the Bible, there are uh, warnings for us that we should never worship the stars of the heavenly host. For example, in Deuteronomy 4.19, in Deuteronomy 17 verses 2 to 5, in 2 Kings 17 and verse 16, in Isaiah chapter 47 and verse 13, they all warn us about worshipping the heavenly host and the stars and, and all of the sun worship and the moon worship and all that. And you see religions around the world worshipping this. In fact, there are people by the newspapers to find out their stars. Load of waffle. Load of nonsense. King Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, the king in Judah. King Manasseh, after his son Hezekiah, or pardon me, his father Hezekiah died, and he had built up, Hezekiah was a reformer in Israel. And this reformer was building up the worship of the Lord, and he opened up the temple again. Manasseh comes and he turns it all down. And he gets them to start worshipping the stars in heaven and the hosts of heaven in 2 Kings 21 and 5. In other places, stars are symbolic and figurative. For example, Revelation 1, there's a picture of the Lord holding seven stars in his hand. And the seven stars are the seven angels of God, which, which are the ministers of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. So they're symbolic. And again, as we've even thought of in Genesis 15 and 5, uh, Abraham was told, count the stars, your seed will be like them. He wasn't saying they are your seed, but your seed will be like the stars. 
Revelation chapter 12. Joseph and the dream we talked about, about the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowing down to his star. We find it also that this was Israel and the, the, the people of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel coming uh, from Abraham's loins. Revelation 12 talks about the dragon, the great red dragon called the devil and Satan with his tail. And he draws a third part of the stars, a third of the angels with him. So they're not literal angels. It's symbolic. And I believe in Matthew chapter 2, this is not a literal star. This is symbolic of a theophany of the Holy Ghost. Drawing them. How can a big sun like ours, a star like our sun, come and sit over a wee tiny house? How is that possible? It's not possible. But God came down and says, this is my beloved son. It's like the dove at his baptism. It wasn't a real dove. It was the spirit in the form of a dove. And I believe that's what happened in this day when Christ uh, was uh, not born but about two years of age. Let me just go on a little further and we'll look at something else. In Matthew chapter 2 then we look at their purpose. And these two are shorter points you'll be glad to know. Matthew 2 and verse 11. It says, And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. Notice, they came into the house, saw the young child with Mary his mother, fell down and worshipped him. Now, do you see in Middle Eastern times, that's not what you would have done. You'd have paid homage to the mother or the father. And they come in, And there they see Mary and the young child. Can I ask you, how did they know to worship him? How did they know to worship him? Because they had been reading the Hebrew scriptures. This is him. The star. This day often he came and showed him to us. Why and how do you know to worship Jesus? Because the Holy Ghost shows you him. And by the way, they didn't worship Mary. They fell down and worshipped him. They worshipped him. Notice here, he's not in a stable but a house. Not in the stable here, he's in a house. And he's not a babe but a young child. Notice the, the leadership of the land hated Jesus, think of Herod. The religious leadership would be the ones who would reject him. That is the the Pharisees and the scribes. And the wise men from the east came and fell down and worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ. The word worship here is proscuneo, and it means pros towards, and kuon means, you know what it means? It's the word for dog. These men knew how to worship. It's the word for dog. They came like a dog. Fell down at his feet. It's like a dog coming and licking your hand and running around your legs. Waggling its tail and laying against you. That's how they worshipped him. This young child, they fell down and they worshipped and they worshipped and they worshipped. How did they know to do that? They done it through the Holy Ghost. 
Do you see when I see a worshipless Christian? I wonder have they been sealed. I wonder have they been sealed. Notice it means to bow in reverence. It means to kiss the hand like you'd kiss the ruler's hand. Coming toward him, bow down, and you kiss the hand. They worship Christ. In Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17, notice, so the star of Bethlehem, as we're calling it, they followed the star of Bethlehem to find the star of Jacob. And that's who they found. Numbers 24 and 17 prophesied of him, there shall come a star out of Jacob. What a star. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and the scepter shall rise out of Israel. Verse 19. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion. They knew exactly who they were going to. Because I believe they knew the Hebrew Scriptures, or they wouldn't have known. You see, the Spirit will always lead you to Christ through the Scriptures. You know how you know how to worship Christ? Because you're reading the Scriptures. You see, you're reading about it. Make the Spirit of God makes the Bible alive unto you. This is the living word of the living God. The living word of the living God becomes alive in your heart. And you are sealed with this word. Sealed in your spirit. Sealed in your soul. It's sealed into your mind. You're branded by the word of God. And when you realize who he is, you worship him. You worship him. You can't help yourself but worship him. Notice a star, a scepter, and dominion. The star was the young child. This young child speaks of Jacob's flesh out of Jacob. Here's the star of Jacob. But here's where they would learn to worship Micah 5 and 2, rehearsed, rehearsed earlier to Herod. But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel. It's saying, here's the ruler. The ruler in Israel. Here's the young child. Notice, but it's not just stopping at Jacob's flesh. He's not just a man. His beginning wasn't at Bethlehem. Yes, as a boy, as a son in Bethlehem. But he was, Luke, whose goings forth have been of old from everlasting. That's who our Lord is. They see him. This is the one to come. He is our God. Listen, I have no qualms nor no second thoughts in worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ as God. He is God Almighty with a face. He's God in the flesh. Son of God and the Son of Man. He is the Almighty. Revelation 22, verse 16. Notice what Jesus says. The risen Christ. I am the root and the offspring of David. Look, I go to David. I go right back. I'm the star of Jacob coming towards this way. He says, I'm the root of David. And then he says, the bright and the morning star. That's me. In Genesis chapter 49 and 10 says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver, but from between his feet until Shiloh come unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Listen, brothers and sisters, that was Jacob who said that. 
that a star was going to come, Shiloh would come, the scepter would be from Judah, one of his sons in their tribes. That's where Christ came from, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The dying Jacob saw, this is what I've written here, Eddie, the dying Jacob saw the star shine. And he saw the scepter ruling. The dying Jacob saw Shiloh. He says, and this one from my loins, through Judah, through David, he will come. He'll be ruler over his people Israel. This is what Jacob saw. This is whom the wise men, these astrologers were brought to. This is where the star had led them. Jacob, the wise men, saw the star together. And thirdly and finally, there's their presence. Matthew 2 and 11. Their presence was God's providence. Take that in for your own life. Their presence was God's providence. Not their presence as they turned up. The presence they brought, the gifts. Their presence was God's providence. You know, God brings people and things into our line, into our, into our, into our lives, and brings them that, that his providence is made possible in our life. They were making providence for, for the young child, why he was going to go into Egypt. They brought forth that which he needed for the time. And notice also, when they had opened their treasures, Their treasures here is the gold, frankincense and myrrh. Finishing with this. The gold was for a king to rule over men's hearts. You ready? To rule over men's hearts, not from a throne, but from a cross. Not from a throne, but from a cross. Christ must rule from the cross in your heart. We serve him because we love him. Jesus was to be a king, to rule over men's hearts, not from a throne, but from a cross. And those whom he would be king over, they would rule and reign with him on his throne. Frankincense was for a priest. The priest would bring men to God. Now Jesus brings men into the very presence of God. And Mary was a gift for one that was going to die. They knew exactly what they were bringing. And his parents knew exactly what he was receiving. Listen, it's good to get the gold, isn't it? It's good to have the frankincense so we can go into the presence of the Lord. It's good to have your wee baby and you dedicate them and bring them up in the ways of the Lord. It's great, isn't it? But if you knew and somebody came and gave you a mirror for your baby's death, for your child's death, oh, here, take that away. We don't want that. No, you see, he came. He came to die. He came to shed his blood. He came to redeem. Imagine it. This little one, you're looking at it. It's horrible to think about a, a child or a baby like that, isn't it? But yet this one came 
received the gift of the myrrh to say, yes, he's going to die. You know, these wise men, they were astronomers. And the word wise is different than other parts of the scriptures. And I'm not going to go into it tonight. I'll maybe do another teaching of it. But the word wise can be sophros. It means to teach spiritual matters. And Jesus says, Wherefore, behold, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes. And some of them ye shall kill and crucify. Some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. The wise is the saffron. Jesus, I'm going to give you men who are awakened unto me. And you're going to reject them. Still the same today. Jesus tells us also that we are to be we're to be faithful servants till his coming in Matthew 24 and 45. Who then is that faithful and wise servant? whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household. The word wise servant here is the word phronimos. It's another word for wise. Who's prudent? Who's sensible? Who's practical? Who's putting their hand to the plow? In other words, who's pushing? Who's serving? Who's ready? Who's got the works through the fruit of the Spirit? Who is it that's in front of me who's faithful unto death and faithful unto the end? He says, that one is the faithful and a wise servant, a phonios servant. Changes all the time. And of course there are five wise, five foolish servants. Notice he didn't say five good and five bad. Five wise, five foolish. Not the wisest, phronios. They were practical. Sometimes there's some Christians on their heads, their heads are so stuck in the clouds. They're no good to anybody here. Don't know how to put them. You know, they want to say, I just want to serve the Lord and I just want to be the one to do all the spiritual work. That's good. But what about when the church needs cleaned? And you come into a nice clean church. Or the food needs cooked and prepared. You're doing it as unto the Lord. Or the children need looked after. Or the youth need help. And the little ones in the children's meetings. What about those who faithfully give? I will sit at home and pray for you, brother. See the next person that tells me I'm sitting at home praying for you. I'm going to say, you know what? Sit in church and pray for me. And then put your... Put your, your mouth into action and your feet into the plan Amen. and push with the rest of us. See, if we all done the same, we'd all be floating around. You'd be like 100 million Gandhis floating about there like us here. <laughs> nothing, to be, nothing to be done for the kingdom of God. Isn't that true? And here are the five wise virgins. They had oil in their vessels and in their lamps. They were wise. That means they were practical. You know what? I'm continuing on here. I'm going to wait, but just in case he's a little bit longer, I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to be ready for his coming. And see the other ones, we'll float on here. We don't need to prepare. We're all right the way we are. Hug brother, sister, come on. In all honesty, the star 
of Bethlehem, as we call it, and followed it till he came to the star of Jacob. And you were saved because the Holy Ghost came and quickened you, made you aware and alive unto God, and brought you the whole way, and you followed it and stopped at Christ. There's nowhere else to go but him. I don't know if you've heard that before or not, about that star, but nevertheless, that's what I personally believe about the star. May God bless his word to us tonight, for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. Amen. Amen.